Live by every word. That is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God Himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. Thanks for joining me. I'm Live by Every Word. I'm Dwight Falk. This is Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG, and we're online at kpcg.fm. have a live link at thetrumpet.com as well, where you can find all of our programming. Many people have heard ministers in various denominations speak about hellfire, and uh, that's really made an impression on many people. It's scared a lot of people. And when we look at the Bible, there are sober warnings uh, for those who refuse to repent of sin. There are some serious warnings there, but most people don't really understand the truth about hell. They don't know exactly what that is. And it's important for us to see what the Bible says about it. And there's so much uh, thought about it that just comes from even society itself. So if somebody wasn't really uh, learning about these things in a church setting, they no doubt have some, some thought about it. Uh, the English word hell comes from three separate words in the Bible. And, uh, of course, there, there's uh, Hebrew in the Old Testament and then Greek in the New Testament, but we have it in English today. So there's some translations made. And we need to understand a little bit about this word hell. And this is a quote from our correspondence course, uh, Lesson 6, and uh, it gets into this subject. It says the Old Testament Hebrew word sheol and the New Testament Greek word Hades mean the same thing, simply the grave. These original words have been correctly translated as grave in many places in the Bible. However, these words have also been translated hell. Hell is an old English word, almost 400 years old. When the authorized version was translated, the people of England commonly talked about putting their potatoes in hell for the winter, which was a good way of describing preserving potatoes for the word, then meant merely a hole in the ground, which was covered up, a dark and silent place, a grave. But pagan teachings caused people to misapply the old English word hell to the lurid imaginations of Dante. And you might be familiar with Dante's Inferno. The quote continues and says, the second Greek word Tartarus, which has also been translated into the English word hell, occurs only once in the New Testament. That's in Second Peter 2 and verse 4. It does not refer to humans, but to restrained condition of fallen angels or demons. Its meaning translated into English is darkness of the material universe, dark abyss, or prison. So those are two of the words that can be translated into hell. One means the grave. The other one is this place of restraint. But then there is this third word that's often translated as hell, and that word is Gehenna. What about this word Gehenna? That's what I want to focus on today because it touches on something that is probably the most closely related to what people would think about when it comes to hell. Gehenna. Gehenna fire. Christ talked about it. Notice Mark 9 and verse 43. We have a few passages today, so if you have a Bible handy, It'd be good to get it out. We can look at these passages together. Mark 9 and verse 43. It says, And if your hand offend you, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. So here uh, Christ is speaking. Now the principle that's being expounded upon is to stop sinning. 
and to take the necessary action to stop sinning. Christ is not telling people to literally cut off body parts, that's not what he's advocating, but rather to stop using the body to commit sin. You know, if there's a problem with what a person looks at, well, don't look at it anymore. Get away from it. Get away from the temptation. And, uh, you know, sometimes an extreme action has to be taken to stay away from something. If a person has a problem with looking at something wrong on the Internet, maybe they shouldn't use the Internet, right? That's the point. And, I, and we need to understand what Christ was getting at there. But he does mention hell. He mentions hell as it's written there in uh, the translation. What did Christ mean about hell? Here again is from uh, the correspondence course, lesson six. It says hell is an English word. And when Mark recorded Christ's words, he wrote them in the Greek language. The Greek word translated hell, which Mark was inspired to write down, is Gehenna. Since in this verse, Christ says the sinner is to go into hell, into the fire, it follows that those who go to Gehenna will receive punishment by fire. Punishment by fire. And that word Gehenna is spelled G-E-H-E-N-N-A. And that's what Christ said here. He said they'll go into Gehenna, into the fire. Luke 12 and verse 5, let's notice this passage as well. Another example. Luke 12 and verse 5, it says, But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he has killed has power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. So again, this word here is Gehenna. Gehenna. So what is Gehenna? What was Christ referencing? The correspondence course notes this. This Greek word is derived from the name of the narrow rocky valley of Hinnom which lies just outside Jerusalem. It was the place where refuse was burned up. Trash, filth, and dead bodies of animals and despised criminals were thrown into the fires of Gehenna or the Valley of Hinnom. Ordinarily, everything thrown into this valley was destroyed by fire, completely burned up. Therefore, Christ used Gehenna to picture the fate of unrepentant sinners. So the people he was talking to would understand what he was saying. This was an area they were familiar with. This was this rocky valley of Hinnom, which uh, is just outside of Jerusalem. So people would understand what he's talking about. He throws something into that fire pit, and it's gone. It gets burned up. They would throw down a lot of refuse down there. And so Christ is talking here about the fate of unrepentant sinners. The fate of unrepentant sinners, it's to be burnt up, to cease to have life. And God will put them out of their suffering. When people get to that point where they just will not repent, where they're just adamant that they're going to go and, and, and continue to sin, it just it causes misery. It causes suffering. And so uh, God is merciful to them in that case. Now God will give everybody a chance to know his truth. People that have never heard about uh, God the Father, Jesus Christ, don't know about his truth, don't have their mind open up to it. They'll have a chance, and that's all revealed in God's holy day plan. So this isn't going to be a casual thing. If somebody were to get to this point, and there will be some, unfortunately, that have to be burned up, then um, it's they're going to have had every chance to avoid that, but will have refused. So God's laws produce peace and happiness. And if a person refuses that then they're miserable. And so in, in God's mercy, he'll end that misery. But see, the false idea many have is that unrepentant sinners just live forever. 
being tortured in a fire. And that's not what Christ taught. That's not what he taught. I mean, you think about the him explaining this to people at that time. They knew where this area was. Did anybody think that, you know, refuse was thrown in there and just kept being there and, and sitting in the fire? Of course not. That's crazy. It'd be like saying to somebody that has a bonfire going, hey, what's going to happen to that log if you throw it into the fire? And they'd look at you like you were a little bit crazy. They'd say, well, it burns up. <laughs> you know, and if you said, well, it doesn't just sit there and just keep burning and burning, they'd say, well, no, it, that doesn't make any sense. The fire burns it up. Well, that's the same thing that happens in Gehenna fire. It burns up whatever's in it, whatever's material and physical. So there's there's not going to be this uh, this situation where people are sitting there burning forever and being punished forever, and that, that would be such a terrible thing. And uh, Christ didn't teach that. God is very merciful. He's merciful. He doesn't allow sin, but he's absolutely merciful. And even when people refuse to repent, he's, he's going to end the misery. He's not going to just keep them alive and keep torturing them. That's a horrible thing. Psalm 57 and verse 10 reads, For your mercy is great into the heavens and your truth unto the clouds. God's a merciful God. See, Satan is the one that doesn't have mercy. He wants people to think that that's how God is. And it's a cruel thing to just torture somebody. And God does not do that. He doesn't do that. The false idea about people being tortured forever, it's not merciful and wouldn't serve any purpose. There'd be no purpose to it. Now, God does not tolerate sin. And for those who refuse to repent, they will have no future. There's going to be an end. And we see this in Romans 6 and verse 23. Romans 6 and verse 23. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Most people will inherit eternal life. They'll be given that opportunity. They'll be um, able to accept Christ as their Savior and repent and change and develop God's character and be born into his family. But for those who refuse to repent, well, then they, they're paid the wages that they've earned, and that is death. And, of course, everybody's earned it. But, thankfully, we can repent, and, and Christ's sacrifice pays the penalty for those repented of sins. But if people refuse to repent, then they get the payment, which is death. The wages of sin is death. See, the wages of sin is not eternal life being tortured in a fire. See, that's a, that's a perverted idea. The wages of sin is death. Notice what Paul said about the fate of the unrepentant. This is in Hebrews 10, verses 26 through 27. If we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. We have a reprint article on the unpardonable sin. A lot of times people don't understand what that is, and they misunderstand what Paul is saying here. So that's a good article to read and, and to get that background. So we don't have time to get into that today. But again, people that really, they know the truth and they've just turned their back and say, I'm not going to go that way. I'm not going to repent. Well, then there's no more sacrifice for sins because they don't want to repent. It says, but a certain fearful looking, verse 27, for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. See, so... Again, this is what happens to people that refuse to repent. There's this um, fearful looking for the judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. 
it's important to note there that what that fire does, that Gehenna fire, it devours the adversaries. They don't just continue on. They're devoured by it. Devoured by it. They're burnt up. Gone. Notice what Christ said to the unrepentant Pharisees of his day. This is in Matthew 23, in verse 33. He got pretty strong with them because they knew better, and they weren't repenting. They knew who he was. They knew the scriptures from the Old Testament, and they still uh, rejected him. Matthew 23, in verse 33, he said, You serpents, you generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? See, he talked about hell. And the Course says, the Correspondence Course, that the original Greek word translated here as hell, again, is Gehenna, meaning the Valley of Hinnom, which we we talked about. Again, that's where they, they burned up the refuse in the Valley of Hinnom. He used that as a type of the final fate, the complete destruction of the wicked by fire. So we have to note that. That's the final fate. It's the complete destruction of the wicked by fire. It says those rebellious and stubborn religious leaders could well understand Christ's analogy. See, they knew what he was talking about. They knew that location. It says they knew they were being threatened with complete destruction in fire. That's what they were being, they were being uh, warned about, that if they were unrepentant and they didn't change, they would be destroyed completely in fire. See, that's not living forever in fire. That's complete destruction. Complete destruction, just like you throw a log into a bonfire and it burns up and it's just ashes. That's all that's left. That's all that's left. Let's notice a passage in Psalm 37 to see more about this. Psalm 37 and verse 20. It talks about what happens to the wicked, those who will not repent. It says, but the wicked shall perish and the enemies of the eternal shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume into smoke, shall they consume away. That's what happens when you burn something, right? You, you know, the smoke goes up and it drifts away into the air. And the, the, if it's a log, let's say, that you're burning, what's left? It's just ash. There's nothing left other than those ashes that can be sprinkled around, I guess. But it's gone. It's gone. We understand that. We completely understand that when it comes to burning a log in a fire. Well, it's the exact same principles at play when it comes to the unrepentant being thrown into Gehenna fire. They burn up. They burn up and they're gone. And life is gone. The correspondence course, Lesson 6, says the hell fire here that the Bible speaks of will be thousands of degrees hotter than the imaginary hell fire of most preachers which is only hot enough to torment. It says the biblical hellfire will totally consume the disobedient. Never will they exist again. The Bible plainly shows that those who have known God's truth and willfully disobey and refuse to repent will reap the wages of sin. That's eternal death. And we read about that in Romans 6 and verse 23. It says this scripture means what it says. The attempts of many theologians to explain away death and to interpret it as mere separation from God cannot be reconciled with Scripture. Death clearly does not mean eternal life in the horrifying torments of an eternal hell. So there's there's a lot that we have to understand here about this topic. And people have a false idea about 
hell in the sense of, say, Gehenna fire as we're discussing today. It's a fire where the wicked are burned up and they never live again. That's it. And we see this described in Revelation 21 and verse 8. Revelation 21 and verse 8. It gives us a list of some things here that we need to be repenting of and conquering. It says, but the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So there's a list here of things that we, we don't want to have in our character. We want to repent of it. We don't want to be fearful or, you know, unbelieving or faithless or living a perverted way and murdering and lying and the such. We, we don't want to do those things and we want to repent of them and change because if people don't and they just continue on in it, it says they shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. That is the second death. So you start putting the pieces together. Well, Gehenna fire a fire that burns up the wicked, well, what is it? It says here it's a lake, a lake which burns with fire and brimstone. It's the second death that burns up humans that refuse to repent, and so they have no more chance. That's the end for them. That's the fate of the wicked in Gehenna fire. Gehenna and the lake of fire are the same. It's the same thing. A very large fire would have the appearance of a fiery lake, hence its description. And so there's uh, more you can study about that. And again, it's all in this correspondence course lesson, uh, lesson six. If anyone dies a second death, that individual will have been judged by God to be guilty of persistent disobedience and incorrigible rebellion. They didn't, it wasn't just making a mistake and then changing. It was just going in the way of sin and not repenting. And just, nope, not going to change. Well, at some point then, that person couldn't be worked with. If a person is in the second death, that's it. That's death for eternity. No more life, no more consciousness. Not sitting there tormented forever. The end of life. That's what the Bible teaches, and that's what Christ says. But God doesn't want anyone to receive that fate. That's not what he hopes for in any way. Let's look at Ezekiel 33 and verse 11. We have to understand that this is a warning, and that if people don't repent, uh, this is the final fate. But God doesn't want that for anybody. Here's what God wants. This is Ezekiel 33 and verse 11. It says, Say unto them, As I live, says the eternal God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. See, this idea, this false idea of hell and people just sort of being burned and tormented forever, God doesn't have any pleasure in anything like that. Uh, He certainly doesn't have pleasure in their death. He doesn't get a thrill out of that. He's a God of life. It says, but here's what he wants. He says, but that the wicked would turn from his way and live. Turn you, turn you from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? He wants people to turn. He wants them to repent. That's why Christ warned them. He said, look, you know, you better be careful. better be careful on how you live, because if you sin and you won't repent, then there's going to be Gehenna fire, the lake of fire, eternal death, the second death. And that's the truth of what, the fate of the unrepentant sinner is, but he doesn't want that for anyone. So it's important we understand hell and what that means. And of course, there are different words in the Bible that are translated hell. But in in terms of Gehenna fire, we have to understand what Christ taught about it. And this should give you pretty good insight, but there's more to study. It's in lesson six of the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. 
and you can receive that for free. Sign up for that at thetrumpet.com. That's all the time we have for today. On this edition of Live By Every Word, thank you for spending some of your time with me. I'm Dwight Falk. Until next time, let's all strive to more perfectly live by every word of God. You've been listening to Live By Every Word on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.